Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. I want to talk today about something I believe that God is speaking to us as a people, as individuals, and as a church. And the title of my message is Move with God. Move with God to catch the wave. See, in October last year, I was at home and I was praying at home. And just sort of out of the blue, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, the chess pieces are moving. That was it. The chess pieces are moving. And as I looked at our church arise, and as I looked at the church in the nation of New Zealand, I could see in the natural that there was a whole lot of movement taking place. I mean, you've got a new campus pastor here in Wellington City, right? And, you know, we have new campus pastors in Dunedin and Hamilton has. And there was just movement in the natural. And across the church uh, in New Zealand, there was movement as well as God began to realign things. But actually, I think we would all agree that as we've come into 2020, the chess pieces have moved. They've moved in an unprecedented way. They've moved in a way that we did not expect They've moved in a way that hasn't been positive in many senses, but I believe they've moved in such a way that there is a positioning in the globe right now for revival. There is a positioning for the Lord to take hold of hearts like never before, and we are seeing that arise. We are seeing so many people coming and responding to the gospel like never before. Every week online in this room, welcome if you've just joined us since the lockdown, but there is a fresh wave of God upon the earth as the chess pieces have been moving in a scale that has been unprecedented. And I do not say this lightly, but as we are in the latter days, I believe that we are right poised at the cusp of one of the greatest moves of God that we have yet ever seen. I don't say that lightly. I truly believe that we are poised and positioned by the Spirit of God for something to break out both in our nation, in our church, and around the globe. See, the chess pieces are moving. Now, as you may already know, my son Will is a chess player. And so I've begun to know a little bit about chess. As I started to talk to him about my message last night, he came and joined me in prayer. As I started to share my message, he buried his face in his hands and he says, Mom, you still know nothing about chess. He was very concerned about what I would share with you today. But I haven't invited him to share because I said to him, well, your, your father doesn't give me the microphone that much. So... I'm not passing it on to you. This is, <laughs> this is my chance. I may not know much about chess, but what I do know is this, that every piece on the board is there for the king. Every piece is there for the king. Every piece is there to defend or to attack for the sake of the king. And every piece is willing to sacrifice itself, to lay itself down so that the king might live so that the king has the victory. Every piece is there at the king's command. Every piece is there to serve the king's pleasure. See, in chess, it's the king that matters. And I believe that when we have this revelation that it's the king that matters, when we begin to come alive to that as a Christian, that we're willing to do whatever it takes. We're willing to be on that board and we're willing to get moving. See, in Matthew 16, Jesus said this to his disciples. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, 
you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul? See, I really believe we have a choice to make. I believe we have a choice. There is a price tag to this holy calling. There is a price tag to this upward call in Christ. And I want to say to each and every one of us, the king needs you to move. Are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to take that step, to begin to move out of your comfort zone? Because I want to say that as we imagine, as we imagine what God is wanting to do and how he is wanting to use us, then we can see this revival not just begin to break, but keep on breaking and we can ride it right into the shore, right into the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. See, this way we don't want it to stop. We don't want to fall off halfway, but we're going to make it right to the end and it's going to require some sacrifices. See, what I want to say today is this, is that God's people are always on the move. God's people are always on the move. They don't stop moving. God's people aren't stationary. God's people don't just stay in one place. They're always moving. Think about the Israelites. See, there they were in Egypt, and God took them to Egypt, a small company of individuals. They became 400, then they became a million. And there in the incubator of Egypt, a nation was formed. And when that nation was ready to be moved, God called them out of slavery. He delivered them out of Egypt through the use of his, his servant Moses. And Moses led them out of slavery, and they went into the wilderness. They were headed, they were moving to their promised land. But even as they were moving, they didn't, we know that they took a very long time to get there. But even as they were moving, we see that God wanted them to have some characteristics. He wanted them to always be ready. He wanted them to always be willing to move, to never get stuck, and to remain flexible. See, his people were to be always on the move, and they were to move in step with his spirit. I want to read from you, to you from Numbers chapter 9, where it talks about how they couldn't get stuck and how this principle worked for them. See, they had to follow the Lord's leading. It says in Numbers chapter 9, verse 18, it talks about they set up the tabernacle and the glory cloud of God's presence would come and rest on the tabernacle where they had set up camp. Let me read to you what happens. In this way, the Israelites traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the, over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night... When the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or they traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. 
See, God would come to them and he would signal their move. He would say, this is where I want you to stay. This is where we're settling. But you see, they couldn't get complacent. They couldn't get stuck. They couldn't end up stationary because they didn't know if if God wanted them to stay there for one day or for a year. And so, you know, imagine being the Israelites and you're always living with this uncertainty. You're always living with a sense of unsettledness. That was how God wanted his people to live. That we wouldn't be settled here on earth, but we would be living as aliens and strangers. And see, there they were, these Israelites, they'd been there for a year. Now, I've been camping, not looking at anybody, with some people, and they are so well equipped. They go camping, they take everything like the kitchen sink. You're like, why didn't you just stay home? You know? It's like you can't even call that camping. You've got everything that you could possibly need. Like, you know what I mean? People literally, I've been with people, not in this room, who've taken their sink, like a sink, like seriously, just take a bucket, that works. <laughs> Except I did that once and then I got food poisoning, so we'll move on. Never went camping again. Maybe I should have taken the sink. But there are people, and you know, the Israelites were like this. They've been there for a year and they planted their veggie garden. It had just come away. They had their little sheepies. And then little sheepy came along. They're like, oh, it's time to decorate. So they killed sheepy, and now they had their nice sheepskin rug. (laughs) Yeah. And they'd made all these, you know, special little structures. They'd put little, you know, sunroofs on their tents because it was the desert. And they were happy there. And then suddenly the cloud lifts. They moved. But they could only take what they could carry with them. So they were leaving that stuff behind. They had to let go of things that they wanted. As John says, they let go of what they wanted for something they wanted even more. They had to leave that stuff. And at the moment that God commanded it, they moved. See, God's people have always been on the move. We're never to settle down. We're never to get so stationary that we can't respond to the cloud of his presence. See, we're called to be led by the Spirit, led forth in peace, that the cloud of, uh, would lead us by day, the pillar of fire by night, and we wouldn't end up encamped and entrenched. God's people have always been on the move. Think about Ruth. In the book of Ruth, Ruth moves to a foreign nation. She moves because she wants Naomi's God to be her God. She captures hold of who God is and she can't let go. And she moves where she feels the presence of God is leading her. She goes from what she knows to a foreign nation. She leaves her comfort. She leaves her stability. She leaves her friends. She leaves her family. And she steps out and follows her mother-in-law because God's people are always willing to move. Because Ruth moves, she ends up in the lineage of David and in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She comes across Boaz. She marries Boaz. See, there might be a man on the other side of your obedience, girlfriend. (laughs) Just saying. She follows this Boaz and she, she marries this guy that she would never have met if she hadn't been willing to move with God. She marries him, she has a son, she does these incredible things. She ends up woven into this tapestry of grace, this incredible outworking of God's plan in salvation because she made one small, seemingly insignificant step to simply travel with her mother-in-law. See, sometimes we don't understand that that one small move we make might matter for all of eternity, might make all of the difference. Think about Abraham. 
I mean, Abraham is our father of faith. And what ignited his faith is that God comes to him and says, Abraham, would you move? Would you move from Haran and come to this land I'm going to show you? See, Abraham's faith was characterized by moving with God. And suddenly everything changed for him because he responded. There he was in Haran with his family, with his possessions, with everything he had ever known. And God just calls him an Abraham. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11:8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. He went without knowing where he was going. See, the interesting thing about this is that when God asked him to move, it was outside of the realm of anything that Abraham had been thinking about. And sometimes when God speaks to us, it's not what we were thinking about. Sometimes because it's so out of the blue, then we know it was God. And he wasn't even considering doing that. And God tells him to do it. And so Abraham becomes this great adventurer, this father of faith, and he gives birth to Isaac, and the story continues, the tapestry of grace that's woven from one person moving with God. See, what if Ruth had stayed? What if Abraham had stayed? What if the Israelites suddenly decided, I don't want to break camp anymore. I'm sick of carrying this move of God. I'm sick of the weight of this thing. I'm sick of the ask. I'm sick of the burden. I'm tired of never knowing what's coming next. Imagine if they had stayed. Then things would have worked out because God would have worked it out, but he wouldn't have used them. But we can be part of God's unfolding plan, but we must choose it. I want to ask you right now, in what ways are you stuck In what ways are you stationary? In what ways in your life this morning may you not be moving? See, it's just so easy. It just happens. We don't even be aware of it that we just get stuck. You know, I remember when I was pregnant and I would park my car, and as you all know, parking in Wellington can be a hazard, and you end up in some very small spaces. And I would think, yeah, cool, I can get out of the car, and I'd try to get out of my car. I could no longer fit. See, I I would get stuck. But you see, I didn't know that. It's like sometimes we don't, we're not aware that we've actually got stuck, that we're going to get stuck. We, we don't, we're not aware of what's happened inside of us. That means we can no longer move like we once could. God wants a people who don't get stuck, who are always on the move. The Bible says, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. You see, what is sleeping characterized by? Lying still. Sleeping is characterized by lying down, by not being awake, by not moving. And God speaks to his church and he says, awake, O sleeper. Why? Because we are to arise. We are to stand and we are to move. Imagine a company of people who weren't asleep but were awake who were awake and responding to the calling that God had, this holy calling in Christ. See, the calling of God does not come to one. It comes to us all. It comes to us all. The calling of God has come to your life, my friend, as much as it's come to the person next to you. And it is our duty and our responsibility to respond. No one can move but you. See, the second thing I want to say is that one person impacts every person. 
One person impacts every person. See, that John talked so well yes, last Sunday about this, that the church is Christ's body. I love that message so much. Who thought that was a great message? The church is Christ's body. And we understand from that message that every part of the body has a part to play. The hand is as important as the foot. And that Christ's body is not complete. His body is not complete and not fully functional unless every part is willing to play its part. See, the chess pieces are moving. It takes a whole board to win the game. It takes the whole board to commit. And I want to ask you today, have you got stuck because the chess pieces are moving and every piece matters. Every person impacts another person. See, there will be a chain reaction. And when we begin to move, when we begin to respond, we advance against the kingdom of darkness. See, God will outwork his plan in the earth. His plan and his victory are already assured. But we get to influence. We get to influence so much about what will prevail in our nation and what will prevail in our world. And I don't know about you, but I believe that the angelic armies of heaven get to be empowered as we begin to move, that the forces of darkness end up being pushed back as the people of God rise up instead of sleeping and lying down in apathy and complacency, beginning to rise with a fire and a passion to take the next step for Jesus. See, there is a need for us to advance upon the earth like never before. In the book of Esther, there are two queens that get contrasted. There are two queens. The first one is called Vashti. Now, Vashti, we understand, has become inflexible. She is proud. She is haughty. She is self-contained, full of pride. And when her king asks her to move, she refuses. See, the king says, oh, Vashti, come and parade your beautifulness in front of the court. He wants to show her off. He's asking her to move. But Vashti, in her inflexibility, refuses to come. See, Vashti, in that moment, she denied her duty. She denied her responsibility. She forgo her entrustment, and she broke rank with her calling, her queenly calling. And see, what happens to Vashti is she's replaced. And she's replaced with a new queen who is flexible, who has a willing and submissive spirit, who when the king needs her to do something, she will respond. And we understand that because every piece matters and because every person impacts another person, Vashti was humiliated, the king, and humiliated her nation. But Esther, on the other hand, when her people are threatened with genocide, when the whole nation is under threat, she makes a bold decision to come before the king. She makes a bold decision to move, even though it puts her own life at risk. She couldn't actually go unannounced into the king's presence. That was risking her life, but she was willing to lay down her life and sacrifice because she understood that if she was willing, that the king of kings was using her to bring a movement and a change, and her whole nation, her whole people were saved because of one insignificant woman who was willing to take that move, to take that step. Look, we think, I'm not that glamorous. I'm just a pawn and they're a rook. I'm not that glamorous. Well, remember that the pawn has the greatest ability to transform out of any piece on the board. But also remember that every piece matters. And when we're willing and when we submit to the calling, we can save a nation. And I believe that. I believe that if every Christian in this room rose up, we could see a nation won to Christ. Because if we don't move, we'll slow things down, we'll hold things up, and we will cause delays. 
So the third thing I want to say is that we need to carry the move of God. We need to carry it. The Israelites, they would camp, and then when God lifted and they had to move, they would pick up their camp and they would carry the holy things of God on their back. They would carry the tent of meeting. They would carry their provisions. They would carry those holy things. And then everywhere that God led them, they would take that with them. They were carriers of the move of God. You know, um, a few months ago, I rang up my friend Anna and I said, Anna, let's go for a walk. And Anna's like, okay, great. I love Anna. She's always up for anything. Yes, great. And so uh, we were going for a walk around Titahi Bay and up and over that mountain. And so I, I told her it was a walk. She turns up with her two boys in jandals, and they have a three-month-old French bulldog puppy. And at that moment, I should have revised the plan. <laughs> she thought we were just going for a stroll along the promenade or the boardwalk, whether that exists in Titahi Bay. I'm not totally sure. But she thought we were going for a little gentle stroll. But I had planned a seven-kilometer bushwalk that included an uphill climb. As we got into the walk, the boys, of course, saw the sea, so they ran straight in in their jandals. Who knows that sandy jandals is a disaster from the very start. So they were limping before we'd even gone one kilometer. Their French bulldog is not a very fit dog. It's not really a dog a runner would have, let's put it that way. But our dog, Coco, she's quite fit. And... Um, you know, she's quite nimble. And so Coco's running everywhere, and the French bulldog is trying to run with her. But they have this nose, like, you know, they can't really breathe. It's all, like, wrong. It's like... And so she's trying to run with Coco, but she can't, so because she's got breathing things. So she's vomiting. The dog is vomiting everywhere because she's desperate to keep up. I'm a bit worried that I'm going to kill their three-month puppy. I'm not even sure how a lot, you know, whether the three months should even walk this far. I'm getting a bit nervous about that. What would the vet say? And anyway, we've been dragging these dogs and we've been trying to carry these kids because they're complaining about their feet getting blisters. And finally, we've only been a third of the way into the walk and we get to the mountain. I'm like, oh joy. Because I know that now we've got the hardest part ahead of us. And you know what happens is that Frenchie, it lies down at the bottom of the path with its little sausage tummy lolling out, and it refuses to go any further. It is dead. Anna and I are looking down at it. We're tugging at the lead, like, come on, come on. The dog will not move. So now we have no option. We have to carry the dog up the hill, alternating with small boys and the dog. And I'm telling you right now, it was a sweaty dog, and it was breathing right in my face, you know, like, oh, it was so bad. My top is forever ruined. I never managed to redeem my top because it got totally stained with a sweat-stained dog, and we were stumbling our way up this hill, but you see, if we are not going to carry something, if we're not going to be a carrier, then we become someone who's carried. When we refuse to move, when we refuse to move, we become someone who has to be carried rather than a carrier. And we're called to be carriers of this move of God. And sometimes I think as Christians, we can be like the bulldog. And we started off so full of excitement. And we started off so full of energy. And then it kind of got a bit hard. 
got longer than we expected. It got harder than we expected. And we're like, I just want to give up now. And I'm going to lie down here. I'm camping here. That's it. I'm done. But the truth is that when we do that, someone else is going to have to carry us. Because we're still going to get where God wants us to go. But it's going to be harder. It's going to have delays. And it's going to take us much longer than it would have if we'd been prepared to go the whole distance. See, look, you know, we can think I started out doing this thing. I thought God told me to do this. And then here I am, and I just, I'm not coping anymore. Well, the truth is, did you start it, or were you led by the Spirit? Because if we're led by the Spirit, then we should be rising on wings like eagles. We should be running and not getting faint. We should be filled with the energy that burns within, like Christ's mortal, that burned within Christ is burning within us. The same Spirit the same spirit that conquered the grave, the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave at work within us. When you set off with such enthusiasm, what has caused you to stay camped right now? My Christian friends, it's time to awake, O sleeper. Get up off that path and begin the climb, this upward climb in Christ, this ascent to the top of the mountain. Because when we climb... And when we ascend, we might just find that the view is greater than we imagined, that God will have done immeasurably more than we could ask, think, or imagine once we got to the top. See, what will await us when we do the climb? What will await us as a people, as a church, as a company of believers? What will await us at the top? Can you imagine Can you imagine what it's going to look like when we plant Auckland? Can you imagine the hundreds of people that are going to come to Jesus that wouldn't have if we hadn't climbed? Can you imagine how the people in Arise Care in the prisons, people who've had abortions, people who've gone through difficult times, people in need, can you imagine what it would have been like if no one climbed, if no one came to them and offered their hands and their feet, the part that was needed to rescue and redeem that which is lost, to restore that which is broken. See, someone in this room, the king needs you to move. The king needs you to move. The king needs you to move. I believe that it's time for the people of God to get stirred up and begin to move. It is not time to lie down. It is time to stand up and be counted for the cause of Christ. My friends, the chess pieces are moving. The second wave is breaking. The revival is happening. We are in it. We are in it. My friend, stir your holy faith today with me that God would use you to begin to step out and begin to move. See, what would moving with God look like in your life? In your life, it would look like taking a step. It would look like responding to what God reveals. See, revelation that's revealed and responded to creates faith. But revelation that's revealed and not responded to creates unbelief. We are to be a people of faith that respond to the revelation that keep moving, that keep stepping out. In your life, I, I wrote down a whole lot of things of how you might move forward. But I don't feel like I should read those to you today. I feel like the Holy Spirit needs to speak to each and every one of us. Tell us what it is that we need to do. See, He will speak to us if we're willing to hear. He will tell us 
what we need to do, what step we need to take. Because for each one of us, he comes with duty, calling, responsibility, because if we want to save our life, we've got to lose it. We've got to be willing to lay down and pick up the cross. What are you willing to carry for his name's sake? What are you willing to carry to see this world one to Christ? We are in the second wave. That's in your life. In Acts 1.8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. See, the power that God gives us is to go tell everyone everywhere. The power God gives is not for us to sit around. The power God gives is always so that we would reach other people. When I was about 17, John and I um, went out to Queen Street in Auckland, and we just, we just loved God and loved people and wanted to do something. And we didn't know what to do, so we just took a step. And we had all this food that we'd been given, uh, cream buns and sandwiches. And so we were going up and down Queen Street on a Friday night. And we were handing out food to homeless people, people living on the streets. And we'd gone up and down. We had some food. And we, we, we came up to this one group at a bus shelter. And there was a, a man standing there. And he'd clearly been living on the streets for quite a long time. And you know, you could smell him from 10 feet away. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to hug him. And I want you to tell him that God loves him. And I'm like, okay. But I didn't know how this guy's going to respond. It wasn't a very wise or smart thing to do. It's not what they tell you to do in Evangelism 101. <laughs> Go hug people on the street. Uh, but I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to do it. And so I just went up to him and I gave him a hug. And I said, God just wants you to know how much he loves you. And I just held him, and I just held him for a few moments, and as I held him, he just started to shake, and then he just started to weep. I just wondered, how long has it been since he's been held? How, how long has it been since he's felt love? And in that moment, something crystallized on the inside of me, and I knew that I would live to share the love of God. Because when we take a step and when we obey what God's revealed, it doesn't just impact that person, it changes us, transforms us, and we come to realize that there is no greater thing in this world than being used by God, that even though God asks us to move, it's actually the greatest privilege, and it's the greatest honor and the greatest blessing in our own life when we get to move for the King. I want to tell us all that the King needs us to move as a person and as a church. See, as a church, you're part of this great movement called Arise. And we just get to belong to God moving. We get to be part of God moving through this incredible company of believers. As we come together, as we sow together, as we build together, we are part of God moving in the earth. Just by being here, just by being part of this family, you're actually part of God moving before we've really done much. You see, Arise is called to be a church on the move. Ever since we began, we've never stayed where we were. We've never stayed the same. We're called to be an apostolic house, a church planting house. Why would we plant churches? Because we know that people come to Christ through the planting and establishing of local churches. People find Jesus and they are drawn to him. We're called to be a church that gives voice to the voiceless, that meets the needs of the hurting. We're called to be a church that says like Jesus, you gave me a cup of water. You visited me in prison. When you clothe me, you did it for me. See, Jesus wants us to be his church and arise. This is what we're doing. When we say we're going to expand, we are taking a step beyond where we are into what will be, seeing our nation one for Christ, serving God, 
serving people, sharing the heart of God with those who don't yet know Him, but they certainly need Him. Oh, my friend, they need Him like they've never needed Him before. We are in a broken and a dark world, and the light of Christ is going to shine brighter. We're in the season of expansion. I want you to say to you, you just bring what you can for the offering, but you bring all of who you are for your serving of your King, because the King needs you to move. The King needs you to move. You can be part of this vision, but don't be carried by others. Be a carrier of the vision alongside that this church would be a holy movement, that God would do something like we've never seen before. And as John says, not so that rises a great name, but so that God's name is glorified, so that people know Him like never before. We are committed to expanding. We are a church that is committed to reaching more people, meeting their needs, serving their heart, laying down our lives, and building the kingdom of God. We are a church on the move and a church that will rise. We are not staying asleep. We are awake. We are awake to kingdom purpose. We are filled with a dream. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if every person in this room would be willing to move? If every person, if every person, every person, come on, you are needed. You are needed. You're part of this heavenly call. You might not know what to do on your own, then come be part of what God is doing through Arise. Come and be part of this glorious calling in Christ because God is going to outwork His purpose and He's using His church. He's building His kingdom and He's using His church. He's using His church. In your life, God needs you to move. The King needs you to move. We are not going to stay here. See, the last thing is we need to catch the wave. We need to move to catch the wave. You know, the thing about catching a wave is you can't stay still to catch the wave. The wave just passes you by if you're staying still. See, to catch the wave, you've got to be moving. You've got to be running. You've got to be leaping. You've got to be jumping. You've got to get on the wave. Get on the wave. It means you've got to move to get on the wave. See, the surfers say that you have to get out and into the pocket, that you have to be moving at the same speed as the wave is so that when the wave begins to break, you can launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep. If we're still, the wave will pass us by. It'll keep moving. God's purpose will keep moving. But the wave will pass us by. And in a set of waves, there's seven waves. When a set breaks, there's always seven waves. We've had a first wave and we're declaring it's the second wave right now. Don't let the second wave pass you by, but begin to jump on it and ride it. You maybe were part of the first wave. You were part of the first wave and you're like, am I meant to be on the second? Am I meant to get on the second wave? Yes, everyone. Everyone impacts everyone. Everyone has a part to play. The chess pieces are moving and the king needs you to move. We must all move. We must get in the pocket. We must be moving as if the water is on fire. We have to be moving like the water is on fire so that we can run with this holy plan, with this holy purpose, filled with the Spirit who comes like a rushing wind, filled with the Spirit who comes like a flame of fire, filled with the Spirit like rivers of living water. When the Spirit moves through us, it is the most magnificent thing to see. Arise, church. 
Are you ready for God to move through you, through me, through us, through a company of believers committed to the cause? If you want to save your life, you must lose it for my sake. What do we really want today? Got to be willing to move. What do we really want? In the Bible, Peter had to ignite his faith to get out on the wave. And someone in this room, maybe you've got to make that choice to ignite your faith. See, Jesus and the disciples are in a boat. They're out on the boat in the water and Jesus comes walking there and they're like, it's a ghost. It's an apparition. They don't know. And then Jesus is like, it's me. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Tell me to come to you. He didn't fully have the faith, but he understands that if God calls him, he'll come. Tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, Peter, come. Come, Peter. And the Bible says that Peter climbed out of the boat and he rode the wave. He rode the wave. See, he had to climb out of what he knew. He was a fisherman. Boats was what he knew. He knew every inch of that boat. He knew how it worked. He was familiar with how gravity worked in a boat. He'd polished that boat. He'd built that boat. He'd cared for that boat. But he's willing when he hears the call of Jesus saying, come, Peter. He's willing to climb out and to let go of gravity, to let go of what was tying him down, to let go of what was holding him back and to ride the wave. See, some of us right now, there's a boat that we're trying to cling to, but God's saying, come, come, whatever your name is, come, Nathan, come, Claire, come, Mike, come, step out on the wave, come and ignite your faith because Jesus is calling and it's time for us to ride that wave. You know, tonight, John and I are going to minister together, but we're believing that some boats need to go, some boats of apathy, some boats of fear. Sometimes there's a boat of control. You know, we know how it works in the boat. But if we get out on the wave, the Lord of life is going to sustain us. We can't rely on ourselves. When we let go of the boat, we have to rely on the Lord. Every intern knows what that's like. Can't go fishing anymore. <laughs> going to live by faith. But we're going to pray that the boat we would be released from and begin to walk on the waves, walk on the waves of faith. There are people in this room and you know that God is calling you to move. It's time. You see, God has given you an opportunity but you need to pray for the grace to grasp it. Abraham had the grace to grasp the opportunity that God gave. Ruth had the grace to grasp it. The Israelites had the grace to grasp it. Esther had the grace to grasp it. Peter had the grace to grasp it. God will come and he will call to us, but we need the grace to grasp it. We need to not delay, we need to not wait. We need to step out right in that moment and say, I'm coming. I'm going to come to you, Lord. I'm going to step out and I'm going to come. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.